Uh, we ready for war. Never back down. Give me some more. We came for the title. Welcome into another episode of Patrick Jones Baseball. On this week's episode, we have Kyle Truen. Kyle is the associate head coach at Miami, Ohio University. Previously, he spent the seven years prior at Bradley University as their associate head coach and recruiting coordinator. In this episode, we talk about some of the things that that he is helping implement and the rest of the coaching staff is, is helping implement at Miami, Ohio. This is their first year at Miami, Ohio, so it's a brand new staff. And the facilities there are awesome. It's a great school as well. And so we talk a little bit about that. We also get into some specific recruiting information, and, and Kyle breaks down some of the things that, that he looks for in recruiting, how he goes about it, his own system and process. And then lastly, we, we talk some hitting stuff too, and we talk some game planning and, and playoffs and some of the things that carry over from the college game to the professional game. So appreciate Kyle for coming on. He's a, he's a great guy, and and again, one of the things that I'm also going to do is he, he did a, a pretty cool thesis in, when he was in college, uh, or it was his first year coaching on, on catching. And if you want to check that out, I'm going to put that in the show notes if you want to read Kyle's thesis uh, on, on developing catchers um, and helping them become better leaders. I'm going to put that in the show notes if you want to check that out. I've been getting a, a few people reach out lately when it comes to uh, hitting assessments and so if you're someone who um, is out of town so I'm in Cincinnati Ohio if you're someone who's out of town and wants to come to Cincinnati Ohio and getting a hitting assessment from me um, please send me an email jonesbaseballtraining at gmail.com and I can work on getting you on the schedule so if you're someone who's out of town and wants to come into Cincinnati for a hitting assessment um, please email me jonesbaseballtraining at gmail.com and we'll set up a, a date and time to get you in. All right, here we go with Kyle Truen. This is the future. This is my time. I grind and shine. I put in the work and push the line. I'm holding my ground. I'm never back down. All right, we now welcome onto the podcast Kyle Truen. Kyle, thanks for coming on the show today. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me. Excited to be with you. So I was doing digging, doing a little bit of research on you, and um, you know I, I like doing research. I like uh, doing looking at research studies, and I saw that you did um, your your thesis for your master's in, of education in leadership and catchers. Uh, take take me through that because I'm I'm very curious. I start I read a good amount of it. Um, what was that process like doing your thesis on uh, leadership and catchers? Wow, that uh, that takes me back. Yeah, I did. I did my leadership or my thesis on leadership in the catching position um, through the University of Minnesota. Um, you know, I had just finished playing then the the fall before. Um, I just kind of was getting into coaching. was a was a catcher myself, and uh, was really and and still am. You know, really fascinated with the position on what what makes good catchers and. Um, you know, outside of the physical tools, you know, especially in a day and age now where every showcase or every game you go to, it seems like the kid can throw the ball down to second base in under two seconds. And they're all taught how to receive and block and do all those things well. Um, and I felt like the intangible there was was just the leadership qualities um, that catchers need. You know, you watch right now, for example, the the big league playoffs and, um, you know, any of them that are, that are there, they, they all have a catcher. And most of the times that catcher is the guy who's sort of commanding the field and um, the field general, so to speak. And so I, I dove into that, 
you know, found some, some interesting stuff and, um, nothing earth shattering or anything like that, but it was, it was definitely an interesting topic to, to cover. Um, but yeah, that's, that's been a while. I mean, shoot, that's, that's 10 years ago now. So yeah. 2013. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Um, I think when I was reading it, one of the things that you had said is when you were, uh, you know, you had just started coaching, um, when you wrote that and, you know, one of the things that you had observed was, uh, either catchers, I believe you said something, the fact of either catchers like tried to be leaders and like, weren't necessarily like it was coming across or they, they weren't very outspoken. Like, what are you looking for when you're recruiting a, a catcher, like from a leadership standpoint, not just from based upon that study that you did, but just all your years as a recruiting coordinator too. Yeah. A good question. Um, it's tough to put your finger on it. Obviously you look for physical tools. And I think I discussed that a little bit in there, uh, in the thesis as well. Um, but the, the word that always comes to mind for me is, is charisma. Um, you're looking for a catcher who, you know, can command the field, and uh, has the respect of his teammates, but, you know, sort of has that innate ability to be able to hold his teammates accountable. Um, you know, it is the one position on the field that I feel like can really hold both the pitchers and the position players accountable because they, they dabble in a little bit of both. Um, so being able to hold those guys accountable and, you know, sort of direct the ship, so to speak, but at the same time, be able to you know, go back an hour later after they've they've gotten on someone and still have a respect, a rapport, and a relationship with them. Um, it's hard to find in the recruiting process. It and it's it's even harder to describe, I think. Um, it's just one of those things you sort of see as they play. Um, and then you get to know them on the phone. Um, you do your homework on them a little bit with their their coaches, whether it's a high school coach or a travel coach or uh, could be a junior college coach as well. Um and so, you know, sort of developing that relationship with them gives you a little bit of insight on, you know, what their personality is. Um, but I, I mean, it kind of goes without saying the the best teams I've been around and have have had a catcher um, that has that charisma to be able to uh, demand respect at the same time, um, but but also be able to kind of be one of the boys, so to speak. Normally, are you playing catchers in, in your past who are usually upperclassmen and have some experience? Like, uh, is it really hard for a freshman to come in and, and get that role just based upon everything you just said? Um, yeah, I mean, traditionally, yes, it is. Um, in my time at Bradley, we we did have a really good catcher who walked in as a freshman and, and caught all four years and um, really special kid, uh, really physically advanced for, for a freshman. And that's that's why he got on the field so early. Um, you know, in a perfect world, that catcher is sort of an extension of the coaching staff. And so he's been around um, the coaches, the system that's in place. Uh, and you kind of hope that it's an upperclassman um, so that he's had some experience. But uh, I've seen it both ways. This is your first year up at Miami, Ohio, um, mm -hmm. which we were talking before we started recording. For those listening, this is, you know, it's obviously in Ohio, it's in Oxford, Ohio, and it's in the MAC conference. It's it's one of the hidden gems, I think, in terms of just facilities, campus, in, in college baseball. It's just a beautiful place. Um, but since this is your guys' first year there, like what, you know, you've been at, you've been at Bradley for several years before that. I'm sure it was like a well-oiled machine. Now this is your guys' first year um, at a brand new program. Like what are some things that, that you're, 
having to start over with? Like, uh, is there anything that maybe you just kind of took for granted because you were at, at Bradley for so many years and it was run smoothly. And now you're like, man, I, we have to start over with X, Y, and Z. Yeah, uh, definitely. I think the biggest thing has been in the recruiting side of stuff. Um, you know, Brian Smiley, our head coach, and I talk about all the time that um, he knew where and how to get guys to to go to Indiana State when he was there for for 14 or 15 years. And um, I felt like in my time at Bradley, I had a good grasp on where I could target guys and, and who I could go get them from to come to Bradley. So um, finding your niche, I think, has been the biggest thing. Um Miami is a hidden gem, like you said. And so we feel like if we can get the guys to campus to see the place and um, see Oxford, which is just an awesome, awesome college town, um, we feel like we've got a, a really good shot. Uh, but on top of that, you know, not even athletically speaking, the, the university is, is awesome. It's very strong academically. Um, it is one of the original public Ivy League schools. So they're going to get a really good degree. Um, so a lot of our time this summer and this fall has been spent on, you know, sort of figuring out which guys we need to be targeting um, and how we need to be going uh, after them and figuring out what to sell to them. Right. I mean, that's that's what recruiting is, is you've got to be able to sell a vision and, and sell what it is that you're going to stand for. Um, and so that's kind of what we've been at for the most part. You know, the other side of it, too, is that that vision is is huge. You know, brand new staff. We haven't been here. Um, you don't necessarily want to come in and talk about the programs you've been at in the past and, and things that have worked there. You want to talk about what's going to happen here. Um, and so that's been something that we've also had to focus in on just, hey, we're going to develop you. We're going to help you get where you want to go. And um, we're going to try to win as many games as we possibly can along the way. And Coach Smiley's track record says that. Coach Scully's track record says that. Um, and so we feel like we're in in a good place with that. Um, the other thing you take for granted, and it's something kind of kind of silly, is just you don't know where anything is on campus. <laughs> you know, when you've been at a place for, for a decade or whatever it is, um, you know exactly who to go to for everything, whatever it might be. If it's, um, you know, turning in receipts when you're, you're done on a recruiting trip or it's, um, you know, talking to somebody about academics with, with your student athletes, uh, you know, sort of getting acquainted with all the people on a new campus is something you definitely take for granted. What, what's your vision for the program? You mentioned like when you were talking to recruits, you're selling them on the, you know, you know, the vision for the program vision, maybe even for them, like what, what is your vision for the program? Yeah. So I think the, the best way uh, to describe that is, you got to kind of go into our background a little bit. So coach Smiley was a, was a college baseball player himself, did not play professionally. I was the same way. Coach Scully was the same way. Um, the three of us, and it, it kind of goes without saying are we're in the business of trying to win college baseball games. Yeah. That's a different game than, than the professional game. Right. I mean, it, it's not um, always about, you know, the home run and the strikeout. We've got to find different ways to, to do different things. And, um, we like to sell that we're going to do it as a team. We're going to bring in guys that that fit into a system uh, of team offense, of team defense, um, and of just, you know, kind of old school hard work because um, that's what the three of us are. You know, I was a was a Division two player myself. The other two guys both played junior college baseball before they went on to Division one. And 
Um, I think everybody out there who's listening knows that junior college is a grind and, and so can the D2 level be a grind just because you don't have all the bells and whistles that you do in division one. Um, so our, our vision is to try to sell a, a, the team concept and that we're going to do it um, not in a fancy way. We're going to do it by, by working smart and working hard. Um, there's no reason why this place shouldn't be successful. That's what we really believe and what we really feel and what we try to sell. Um, the Mac is a good league. It's a fun league to, to play in from what we've been told. Um, and our facilities and our resources and just people on campus here um, supporting us, we, we feel like we should be able to, to get this thing rolling in the right direction. Do you have, when you're out recruiting, like a, a bias towards a certain type of player? And let me give you an example. I've, I was talking with a buddy of mine recently, and uh, we were talking about a certain player, and he, he was a left-handed hitter. And my uh -huh. buddy goes, if this kid was a right-handed hitter, nobody would care. But because he's a left-handed, and yeah. it, it's been something that's been like I've been realizing lately is like there's an obsession it seems with these with left-handed hitters, uh, and I'm not saying I know this is the first time we've talked. I'm not saying that about you, but I'm I'm saying is there anything like that 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 maybe you have, or I'm just trying to figure out like why the left-handed hitter thing. But is there any bias that you have when you're out recruiting where it's like maybe I need to take a step back? Is this something that you know that I have a bias towards? Or like, how do you go about that? Yeah, uh, I'm definitely guilty of the left-handed hitter thing. I, I love left-handed hitters, um, big, you know, uh, athletic built left-handed hitters. If, if we could have nine of them on the field at every position, I would love it. Um, you know, and everyone always asks why. And it's simply because the, the right-handed slider or the right-handed breaking ball is, is such a tough pitch to hit. And, you know, standing down there in the third base box as the hitting coach, you you get sick of watching right-handers flail at that slider. <laughs> and so <laughs> rather than, hey, maybe I need to coach them up a little bit better, you say, you know what, let's make our job easier and just go get a bunch of left-handed hitters. Um, so I'm definitely biased towards that. Uh, I do like, you know, bigger physical guys. I just think that over the course of a college season, being 56 games, the body does break down. And so when you have a guy who's a little bit more physical, that body holds up better. But at the same time, um, you know, the, the little, you know, kind of pest or gnat, so to speak, that can run and bunt and do some different things is also a huge piece to the offense. Um, so you've got to make sure you have balance. You don't want to just recruit a bunch of linebackers as, as much as I'd love to be out there and, and play gorilla ball all day long. Um, Coach Smiley reminds me of it all the time. Like we're playing in the north here and there's going to be days where it's it's 30 degrees and the wind's blowing in. And so you've got to find multiple ways to win and, you know, be a, a balanced offense. Um, but, yeah, definitely biased towards a left handed hitter for sure. So I was speaking about you, even though I didn't know it. <laughs> OK, you were. You definitely just, were. You know, um, I know yeah. every, everybody loves. Uh, just because they can measure it. I think, you know, the parents who listen to this and maybe even like coaches too, like everybody loves something they can measure like metrics. And, and earlier you had talked about catching where it's like, man, I, I can't always put my finger on exactly what it is. It's more of a gut feeling more than anything, which I think a lot of times that can be the case in scouting, but are there certain like metrics from like a, you know, even something that people don't talk a lot about like the home to first time or things like that, that you, look at or does it need to be just in a certain range for you to be like okay it's good enough um or, or is there anything like that or is it still mainly the just the gut feel when it comes to physical tools uh yeah both 
both to answer your question. Um, the way I look at it, and, and I know our staff does too, is we, we try to kind of break it down by position as far as physical tools go. Um, I think anybody who tells you that they don't look at any of the metrics is probably lying to you. We all have a PBR account. You know, most guys will have a perfect game account as well. And we hear about a player or we, you know, we get a recommendation. That's one of the first things we're going to do is, is go and look and see, okay, what does that 60 times say? How hard is he throwing the ball across the infield? Is he hitting it hard? You know, exit velo. That, that stuff definitely is helpful, um, but it's, it's not the end all be all. And so um, I think that the metrics are a way for uh, a prospect or a player to get our attention. Um, but then we're going to go out and watch them play and see if they can, they can play the game and have some baseball IQ and um, what they're like as a teammate uh, and, and are they coachable, you know, a number of different things. Um, so yes, the metrics matter. You know, we don't want to recruit a center fielder, for example, who's running a seven, five in the 60. He, he's got to be someone who's who can run a little bit and can cover some ground. Um, you know, you probably don't want to recruit a catcher who who can't catch the ball. And so there are some things that, you know, we use the metrics for, uh, but it isn't it isn't everything. Do you look at pop times for any of these showcase events? Sure. Um, I do. I think that a lot of them are cheated, but um, yes, I, I definitely do. I, the reason I say that is I don't even know what it is this year, but the big league average pop time is is somewhere right around two flat every year, maybe a little bit lower than that. And, you know, you end up with a kid, uh, just a random high schooler who, according to, you know, one of the websites or his NCSA profile or whatever it might be says 1.79. Um, and so you got to kind of take that with a grain of salt. Um, but yeah, we will look at that a little bit. One of the things that I like looking at, if I'm going to watch a, a hitter play or just watch it on TV is I, I always like watching how they take a pitch. I think you can, you can uh -huh. see a lot about a hitter, how they take a pitch when you're out watching hitters. Um, what are some of the things that maybe like you're looking at specifically? Cause I feel like everybody, maybe, maybe it's the same thing for you. Maybe it's a little bit different, but what, what are some things that, that kind of you're specifically looking for? Uh, Left-handed. No, um, the, the biggest <laughs> thing for me that I'm looking at right away is, is the bat speed. It's, it's just something that it, it's very hard to teach. It can be developed to an extent. Um, but if a guy has a fast bat, he, he's got a chance because, you know, it's, it's, it really is a simple game and a simple concept of the faster his bat is, the later he has to swing or make a swing decision on a pitch and it's going to allow him to see the ball longer um, and make a, a better decision on whether that is a hittable pitch. Um, you know, the velocities in, in today's game are only going up. It seems like, you know, I can remember uh, my first year in, in division one in, in 2013 as the volunteer assistant at Bradley, you know, you'd see a Friday night guy who was 88 to 92. They'd probably have a closer who was somewhere in that range. Um, and, and that was that was really about as hard as it got. There obviously were outliers and things like that. But, um, you know, nowadays it seems like everybody is, is at that velocity at a minimum. And so I think that bat speed um, is, is the biggest tool for me when I, I go out and watch. Um, can the guy find the barrel? I mean, that's the biggest thing. I'm a I'm a huge believer in if a guy can hit and it isn't you know, uh, quote unquote, mechanically sound or the right way, let them hit. I don't care, <laughs> you know, hitting, 
hitting to me is the hardest thing to do in all of sports. And I, I really don't even think there's a close second. And so if somebody is hitting and they're out of sequence or, um, you know, they do something that ha has been taught to you that that is an absolute no, no, but yet they're still finding the barrel. I I'm probably not going to touch that guy too much. And, um, we're going to start trying to establish an approach or a plan each time that he steps in the box. But for me, yeah, but the, the bat speed's huge. Um, does he find the barrel is another big thing. And I'm also looking at how much he swings and misses. Uh, pitching doesn't get any easier as you go up, you know, the college level, the professional level, whatever it may be, it's only going to get more difficult. So if you have a guy who's striking out a ton in high school, um, he better have a, a bunch of pop in that bat that is going to, you know, match the strikeout totals. Uh, and so we're trying to recruit guys who you can barrel up the baseball and we can, you know, maybe build a bigger engine with them, so to speak. Those guys who are maybe contact type hitters in high school, but they have a body that can fill out to be uh, what would project to be a power guy. Um, that's kind of what we're looking for. Yeah, there's there's some guys out there who it seems like they have uh, they have the engine, they have that bat speed. And then there's others where it's like, man, like maybe in a couple years he could have it. Is Is that where you feel like maybe you guys will would go to a Juco player. He's more, a little bit more physically put together and, and come in and play right away. Like, do you see with the way the transfer portal is going now and everything else that um, you're going to see more and more players who maybe you'll end up taking later on, not nest, maybe not that specific player, but other players who go to the the portal versus going to play at a division one. And, and now they're just, they're not good enough as maybe they were 10 years ago. Um, yeah, I mean, I think the portal, it's obviously changed a lot of things. I think it's, it's slowed down high school recruiting for one, um, you know, guys can now go and, and look up proven numbers uh, on players who have played at other division ones or division twos or division threes or whatever it is. And they have numbers to, to back them up versus looking at a high school kid, trying to project him, dream on him a little bit, develop him, and get him where he needs to be. Um, it's sad to say, but, <clears throat> you know, those days aren't completely done. Uh, there's still obviously going to be high school players recruited and there's still going to be high school players who are really successful and, and do a good job. But um, it's about winning and winning now at a lot of places. And so uh, with it being a coach's livelihood, he's he's got to make a decision. Do I take the the projectable high school guy or do I go the junior college route or the transfer portal route? And um you know, look for something that can help us right away. Uh, I personally think you need to have a little bit of both. You got to have a balance of both. Um, when I was at Bradley, we were we were far more high school based because it's a, a really good academic institution. And it was kind of difficult to get transfers in. Um, so we had to do it, you know, sort of the older way where you went out and got a high school player and developed them. And, um, you know, you hope every three or four years, you've got a bunch of guys who have been around for a while and you can go make a run. Um, I think at Miami, we're going to be a little bit more of a balance with with the junior college player, the high school guy, and, you know, maybe adding a portal or guy here too late. One of the things that I had heard recently about, or not about, but from a, another college coach was on the portal. And he said if, if he was a, a high school kid, he he thinks that a lot of high school kids are a panic and then they end mm -hmm. up, you know, just wanting to commit somewhere. He said, and then again, correct me, I'm curious to hear your take on this. He said that, you know, usually at the end of the year, 
especially if you're um, in a division one program and, you know, obviously it's a little bit different if you're, you know, the Vanderbilts or you know, at that level, but at the end of the year, you, you know, a lot of guys are going to go in the portal and coaches are going to scramble to to try to fill those spots. And maybe they wouldn't expect to lose some, some certain players. And he said, if I would rather, this was this coach saying, he's like, I would rather go out and take a high school kid because he, he coaches at a division one mid-major. I'd rather go and take out a, a high school kid than I would go and take a, another kid out of the portal who just sat the bench at another division one. Cause I can't go and get one of the top, uh, you know, division one players at, who are at a mid-major cause they're going to a power five. Oh, and cool. so his thought was like, just be patient, be patient, bet on yourself, continue to, to play out if you don't get anything you want. And there'll probably be a, a division one if that's what you want come June because they're going to lose out on guys who maybe they didn't think they were going to lose out on because they went, ended up losing them to the portal. A, did what I say have make any sense at all? And then B, um, do you, do you agree with that? <laughs> yeah. A, yes, it made, it made sense. Um, B, I, I definitely think there's some truth to that. Um, you know, one of the biggest things now, everyone has always talked about recruiting being, being the lifeblood, um, retention is going to become a, a bigger thing now in college baseball programs because of the portal. Um, I think that, you know, it, it's different for each individual program. I think you've kind of hinted at that with, you know, with some bigger name programs and that sort of thing, they're going to be able to go and target guys who are in the portal who have numbers and, and things like that. Um, you know, I also think it, it just sort of depends on what you're returning and what you're looking for. If you can afford to bring in a high school center fielder late and give him a year or two to develop because you have a guy there that you know is going to be good, um, then absolutely, I would take the high school guy. Uh, but if you have a need where you need to fill right away where that guy has to walk in and play, probably going to lean more towards the transfer. Um so I see both sides of it, but I definitely understand where that coach was coming from. If you had a, a son right now in high school, let's just say maybe he's a freshman or sophomore, junior, he wants to get recruited, he wants to play college baseball, how would you go about it? And let's just say, like, Kyle, like you're not a college coach, you don't have the connections you have or, or the knowledge you have. Yeah. Like, would you go to, to camp, to camp, to camp to get him seen? Like, how, how would you navigate that? <laughs> No, it's, it's good you asked that because, you know, when I was growing up, it was a completely different scene. You know, there wasn't really travel baseball too much yet. There were a few teams here and there. The whole showcase setting, a perfect game, prep baseball report, all that stuff, that wasn't really a thing. That wasn't around. And so what you did is is you just played. You played a ton. Um, I can remember going to camps a lot in the winter, not only to to be seen, but to learn. Uh, you know, and, and to try to try to get better. Um, you know, you hear all the the quote unquote old school guys talk about it. They're not completely wrong at all when they say what happened to, you know, 10 buddies just going out and playing on a sandlot. Um, so the way that I would go about it is is make sure, number one, that he's having fun, that he's enjoying it uh because it is it's baseball it's supposed to be a fun game and i think sometimes it, it becomes too much of a business way too early for for some high school kids and for parents and um, all those involved in the recruiting process uh, make sure he's having fun make sure he's playing enough because playing is going to make him better it is just going to make him better and then yeah i think the best way to target it honestly would be to to go to some camps um 
you know, find some schools that you're interested in. Maybe they have your major or it's a place you really want to go. You like the coaching staff. Um, you like the campus, you like the location, whatever it might be, um, you know, go and target some of those places and, and get in front of their staff. And then I do think that there's value to, to going to some of those showcases, right. To be able to have a, a profile online that a coach can quickly access and, and check out your metrics, your numbers, see videos of your swings or of you throwing a bullpen or whatever it might be. Um, so that's, that's the way I'd go about it. You had mentioned before that, you know, you guys or you as a staff that you guys are a little bit more patient in the recruiting process where you see some coaches and where it's like, man, they see a kid one time and then they offer him right away. And so it's, it's pretty fast paced. How many times will you see a kid? Like, like how much time are you spending with a kid before you are extending an offer to him? Like what, when you say you're a little bit more patient, what does that timeline look like compared to maybe somebody else? Yeah, um, I think it's different for for each player, each kid. There's going to be some that you can look at and and right away you know, yeah, that that guy's he's ready. Let's go. Let's get him on the phone. Let's get him on campus. Let's get an offer in his hands and hopefully he commits. Um, there's going to be others that you need to see multiple times. It could be two, could be three, could be four times, whatever it is, and and really see how their skill set or their game plays. Um, when I say patient, I mean more so age-wise. We're, we're not going to be the, the group that is, you know, really looking hard at, at freshmen in high school or sophomores in high school right now. Um, we're going to be, you know, at that 2025 class is what it would be right now, kind of looking there, um, you know, still doing some 24 stuff as well. And then obviously the transfers and, and different things like that. But um Again, I think I said this to you before we recorded. I'm I'm completely fine with saying it's okay with me that I, I'm not very good at looking at a 15 or 16 year old and telling you if he's going to be a good player when he's 21. Um, so when we talk about going slower, that's that's sort of what I mean. Okay. How how often would you say if 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 you're watching a hitter, is there times when you see like you go back to what you just said? Maybe you you see him one time and you're like you're all in. Or usually is it a couple times being that it is hitting, he could have had a really good game. And it's like, man, let's see what he what he's really like. And then the second part is that do you do you look at stats? Do you look at high school stats? Do you look at summer ball stats? Like do you like how how much are you digging in from a statistics standpoint? Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, amount of time seeing a guy, very rarely do you see one swing or one at bat or maybe one game and say, yeah, that guy's got it. Uh, it does happen. Um, but very rarely you want to, you want to see them not only have a game where they succeed and they're turning around fastballs and they're able to, you know, spit on a breaking ball or sit on one and hit it the other way or whatever it might be. But you also want to see maybe a game where they, they fail and see how they react to it. Um, so typically we're going to see them multiple times, you know, very rarely do you have just a no doubter that you watch one at bat and you say, yeah, that guy's, he's got it. Let's go get him." Um, statistically, you know, it's tough. I, uh, you don't want to read too much into it because the statistics are all relative to the competition level that they're playing. Um, it is a red flag. If I'm being honest, if you look and you say, man, I think that that guy can really hit. And then you look up and he hit. 200 for his high school team maybe he had a really good day or your eyes were lying to you or whatever it is so you look into him a little bit um i think you look into him a little bit more with with a junior college transfer or a, a transfer portal guy uh where you know that they're facing 
um, you know, similar level of competition. Um, and so that's when the statistics come into play a little bit. Uh, I have been on the other side of it where you recruit a guy and you think he's a no doubter and you look up in his senior year, he, he hits two seven and you're like, uh Oh, what did I do? I messed up here. So um, the statistics, they carry a little bit of weight, but not a ton. Let's talk a little bit about, I know you're a hitting coach and, you know, you, mm -hmm. you work with a lot of the hitters. Like what, what's kind of, um, what's a typical day like usually for, for hitters at, at Miami, Ohio, that, and then like during the fall, cause that's when, you know, you're really able to get your hands on and, and work with guys. Like what are some of the things that maybe like you believe in that you're starting to emphasize and, and implement being that is um, the first year and, and maybe these guys still don't, they're starting to, to grasp what you want, but what are you emphasizing for the program in terms from like a, a hitting offensive philosophy? Yeah. Um, so typical day, most of the time, uh, unless it's a scrimmage day for us, we're probably going to have guys come in throughout the day in groups um, and hit in our indoor facility. We have a really nice indoor facility with a couple of cages. And um, I found that when we're, you know, trying to break down the swing or, really get guys sort of to where you want them to be from a mechanical standpoint and an approach standpoint, it's often better to do it in smaller groups. Um, so we're usually going to do it like that. Uh, and then the team practice uh, aspect in the afternoon will be more with team defense or team offense type stuff um, where we're working more on, Hey, how we're going to do this all together versus your individual swing. Um, for me, you know, again, I, I go back to it. Hitting is so hard to do. And so I think that it's got to be as simple as possible. You know, um, it, it's so hard to do. And yet we, we as coaches are so guilty sometimes of making it really complex. And so my big things that, that I'm trying to instill and that I'll, I think I'll take, take with me to the grave are, you know, getting to a good hitting position on time over and over and over again. I'm a, I'm a firm believer that the guys that are able to do that are more than likely going to be your most successful hitters. Um, it's just consistency. And so we do a lot of drill work that works on that, getting to a good hitting position, messing with their timing, trying to get them to be off time, but then have to get back being on time. Um, and we're going to do that a lot. You know, I think that like everything in this world that there's, there's two different ways of, of doing things or two different sides to every story. Um, the, the old school way of hitting is good. It, it's got good stuff. There's, there's good concepts to it. There's a reason it worked. There's a reason that guys in the, in the sixties and seventies and eighties had really high batting averages. They're, they're not wrong. Um, and then some of the newer age stuff of, hey, if you want to hit more doubles and you want to hit more home runs, we should probably try to hit the ball in the air a little bit more. That's also good. And uh, the fact that the two sides go at each other and say that the other one's wrong is, is crazy to me because the answer is right there in the middle. I think you have to be able to do both. Um, and so that's kind of what what my philosophy is, is we're going to be able to hit the power ground ball, so to speak, to the right side if you're a right-handed hitter to the opposite side, but then I also want guys to be able to turn and, and hit a pitch 400 feet to the pull side high and far. Uh, and I think that if you want to be successful in the college game, you've got to be able to do all of those things. And so that philosophy there is, is just sort of what we're trying to integrate here this fall. Um, it has been awesome. The, the players that we have here, they're, 
they're they're great they they're really hungry for knowledge they want to know they love to hit um so it's been a great group to be around and um you know kind of introduce the philosophy to them are you do you believe in situational hitting absolutely absolutely um especially in the college game and that's something we we work on a ton we do it every day at team practice um i would go as far as to say if you can't situationally hit, it's going to be really tough for you to be in the lineup. Um, and I know that about our head coach as well. He would say the same thing. Um, are there certain guys that project to be your home run guys and you want them to let it rip every time? Yeah, there are. Um, and you're going to, you're going to let that guy do his thing maybe a little bit more than, than some others. Uh, but at the same time, that guy, if, if he steps up and you've got a runner on third and less than two outs, we don't need a strikeout right there, man. We need a situation where you can hit a ground ball to second base or you can hit a fly ball to center field and, and get that running. So, yeah, situational hitting for me is huge. Do you think emphasizing situational hitting to hitters helps them improve their in-game performance in, in those situations? Yes, absolutely. I, I also think it just helps improve their swing as well. Um, I think that when you talk about the situations, okay, let's talk about, you know, a guy hits a leadoff double. What do we want to do? We want to get him over. Maybe we don't want to bunt right there. So we're looking for a right-handed hitter in that situation to hit a ball to the right side of the field to advance the guy over. Um, so right there, we're looking for something out over the plate that we can hit low and hard. Um, and, and that's, you know, getting the bat in the zone early and um, staying through it for a long time. And so it helps them right there with that. And then we start talking about getting them in. Well, now we've got to look for something that we can hopefully elevate a little bit. So now we've got to talk about trying to get the ball up in the air. And so, you know, guys want to talk about launch angle. They want to talk about all this different stuff. Well, right there, just in a matter of, of two swings, we've now forced you to hit from a, a hit a ground ball at a, a zero, I guess. And then you've, you've forced them to hit a fly ball at a, at a 40 degree launch angle. Um, the other one too, a situation can be, Hey, we need a base hit right here. And, and that often gets overlooked of like, Hey, can you hit a line drive to the outfield grass? And, um, you know, that's somewhere in the middle of the, the, the power ground ball on the get them over or the fly ball on the get them in. And so I think that, uh, practicing it helps for sure um i think making it a point of emphasis is is big and so a lot of the drills we'll do a lot of the things we'll talk about is hey i want to be able to see you on one swing hit a hit a hard low line drive or hard ground ball the opposite way hit one back in the middle of the field gap to gap on a line and then i want to see you be able to hit a double or a home run to your pull side gap on the third swing um, if guys can do that, I think that their bat path is is usually in a pretty good spot. I think that their timing is usually in a pretty good spot. And it shows me that they have the ability to change their approach, you know, not only at bat to at bat or game to game, but pitch to pitch. And the best hitters at whatever level of baseball it is are able to do that. Have you been watching and been able to watch any of the any of the playoffs so far? I have. I've been able to watch some. Um Obviously, you know, long, busy days here at, at the office and at the field and, and working with guys. Um, and then at home, I do have uh, three young daughters uh, and a wife. So I've I've got to put on the dad and the husband hat a lot at night. But um, playoff baseball is so fun to watch uh, because it it's the best 
baseball players in the world um, competing at their their highest level. You know, um, I never played at that level, but I would imagine over the course of 162 games, there's got to be some stuff that you, you know, maybe don't um, go at quite as hard. But when you're trying to win every single game like they are in the playoffs, it's more like the college game. You you now see these hitters who um, are used to launching balls, trying to throughout the course of a season. Um, you see them now cutting down and, and trying to go the other way with two strikes. You see more bunts. You see more hit and runs. You see more um, situational baseball. Yeah, I think that's a great point where it's you know you mentioned situational hitting where we just talked about and it's and it's now you're seeing that in the playoffs because it's solely about winning and so you kind of connect the two it's like yeah that's that's the biggest difference right if uh, maybe the regular season is it's not that it's not about winning per se but the players i think let's be honest they're they're trying to put get some stats up and trying to they're playing for money yeah Yeah, they are and and you know what if i was one of them i'd be doing the same thing if somebody said hey if you can go out and hit 30 and and driving a hundred, we're going to give you, you know, X amount of dollars. I'd probably be trying to do the same thing. Um, but I do tell our players that like, Hey, watch the game right now, because this is, this is the most talented guys in the world playing the game. Um, like we want you to, right. Like you look and you watch, I remember a few years of just hitting me in the face that watching Aaron judge with two strikes and he's, he's hitting line drive singles over the second baseman's head. He's hitting ground balls through the four hole, completely changing his approach from what it looked like, you know, maybe during the season. Um, and so it's, it's great to watch. When it comes to game planning, like that's one of the things that I, I love studying and I love doing is, is game planning, helping players build out their, their plan for the game, depending on the, the, that day's pitcher. You see that in the playoffs, you see that I, with the Texas Rangers when they were, facing the Orioles of like, Hey, we're trying to get on top A ground ball is going to be a win against this guy versus a, a fly ball. Cause of that vertical break he has. Yeah. What, what are some things that, that you do um, when game planning, you know, obviously maybe it's a, it's a Friday night guy. It's maybe it's a little bit different approach than a, a midweek guy. And, and maybe time is a factor within that too, because you don't have all day like they do in professional baseball, but um, is there a, a process or a system that, that you have found that, that works with guys and helping them game plan? Yeah. So, you know, in the, in recent years, the last four or five years, we've been really lucky. This is when I was at Bradley, we're going to have the same thing here at, at Miami. Um, and most, most schools across the country have it as well, but, uh, synergy has completely changed that the video software, um, for those out there that maybe don't know what it is, but it's a great tool, not only for player development, but it's, it's even better for, um, you know, for game planning. And so what it is, uh, you've got a camera up in center field. A lot of times you've got a camera behind the plate. Uh, you film the whole game, you send it into this company called synergy and they cut it up into individual pitches and you can go through and put on filters. So let's say I wanted to see, you know, a pitcher uh, on Friday night, what he did last weekend, I can go back and, and type his name in and look at every pitch that he threw. Uh, I can break it down and say, Hey, I want to see every breaking ball he threw to a right-handed hitter, um, you know, in, in the sixth inning of last night. And it can go that far, you know, down that rabbit hole. Um, and so I spend a lot of time on there. You know, I'm going to go through all three starters for sure. I'm likely going to go through the closer, Um, and maybe another key bullpen arm, I'm going to look at, 
you know, what they try to do as a pitching staff. You're also going to contact guys who have played that team previously uh, in the year. You know, we're all uh, sort of a fraternity in, in coaching, and so many of us know each other and, and are good friends, and we can call and say, hey, we've got, you know, this school this weekend. What do you got on them? And, and they can help you out. Um, I'm going to look specifically at, you know, what pitches he's throwing and what counts and in what situations. Is it is it more traditional where when the hitter's ahead, he's going to be – you know, 75 or 80% fastball, or is he going to be a guy who throws backwards or is it a guy that mixes and just every count is sort of a guess. Um, hopefully we can, we can get all that information together for the players. Um, we'll put it into a scouting report that'll be hung up in the dugout um, for both the opposing team's pitchers and the opposing team's hitters. And then me specifically, I'm going to meet with all of our hitters um, on game day either before BP or after BP and, and go through the starting pitcher for that day and show them video of what the guy looks like when he throws his slider, his fastball, his changeup, um, so they can get an idea of what the slot is. I'm going to take them through his breakdowns on, hey, he's 1-0 count, he's he's 65% fastball, so hey, we better be on time for the fastball like we always should be, but understand he may flip you in a breaking ball in that count, see it up, that kind of stuff. Um, so that part of it is a lot of fun to me. You, you know, you really feel like as a coach there that you can impact the game a little bit. Um, and it's fun to see a game plan play out and, and be successful. Awesome. Kyle, I appreciate you coming on today, man. It's been a ton of fun. Um, I'm going to put your thesis in the show notes if anybody wants to read it. Um, <laughs> All right. But uh, I appreciate it, man. Best of luck this year. And I'm sure we'll be, we'll be in touch. All right. Thanks a lot, man.